Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden, of course. I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson, and as always, I'm delighted that you've decided to join us to talk about all things that are growing in your garden and in your landscape, trying to do something new this year. That's sort of been the theme since we've gotten a new year. Let's see, last week we talked about the healthiest vegetables you could possibly grow, and I hope that if you miss that uh, show that you would check it out online at newsoutherngarden.com or of course your favorite podcasting apps and Facebook, Instagram, and now YouTube. So there's all kind of ways you can reach out to us here at New Southern Garden. Tell us what's going on in your landscape, some of the struggles that you've had, or some of the wonderful successes. We do love to help you solve problems, but we don't necessarily want to just hear problems we'd love to hear the good things too and so since we are in this new year nearing the end of the first the first month of 2024 getting closer over halfway there I thought that it would be a good opportunity as as um, we started this year with talking about getting your dreams for your garden this year on paper and prioritizing them making your goals garden goals manageable I thought that it would be I've had a lot of people over the last years I guess and even recently maybe more so recently but ask questions about hey I have a new house it's a new build and what can I do in the landscape what do I need to be doing what are some things how do I get started and so I thought well what better time to talk about this then at the beginning of the year, because of course we've got plenty of time to to be planting before spring, or rather planning before spring gets here. And you know, like I've mentioned before, really the busiest time for a gardener ought to be over winter. Whether you are planning your garden out for the next spring and summer, or whether you're actually planting hardy plants like trees and shrubs and perennials is still a good time. Of course, it's been quite cold this week, and I've noticed that the, the top layer of soil was quite hard, quite frozen, which rarely happens. But during times when ground is frozen, we can't necessarily dig. Why? Because the ground is frozen. It's too hard to dig. But uh, that still is a good time to start planning. And that's what I want to talk about today. If you find yourself at that point in life where maybe you moved into a new house and there's not much going on, and you want to get some things going on. You want to get the landscape looking good and interesting so that when you have people over to see your new house, that things aren't just a barren landscape. Uh, this is, I've kind of boiled down some steps to, to, to putting in a landscape and, and really not just putting it in, but maybe more so what you may want to consider before you run out to the plant nurseries and start buying those beautiful and delicious plants. There are some things you may want to consider before. 
what is it that Benjamin Franklin told us so many years ago now? An ounce of prevention is worth more than a pound of cure. So an uh, ounce of planning is worth more than a pound of mistakes and correcting things in the landscape once you've started going. You know, when you move into a new house, the builders, at least this is what I'm seeing with the new houses, builders don't necessarily worry too much about the landscape, do they? They may not necessarily even try to worry too much about the interior. I think that maybe sometimes, you know, maybe for business practices and and profitability, is that you just got to check those codes off. Whatever the local municipalities and jurisdictions say have to happen, we make sure the bare minimum happens. But I do notice that the landscape is always, always kind of overlooked. Generally, what you find in a new house as far as a landscape goes is a simple row of maybe two or three different kinds of shrubs right out front. And that's it. And maybe, if, if you're lucky enough, you'll even have some beds made that are maybe pine-strawed or mulched around the edges and the sides of the house. But you'll find that, at least I have, that in the new houses, these little beds on the sides and maybe the back of the house, they're just 18 inches, maybe less than 24 inches deep. And in my opinion, those beds are too small. Of course, you probably will find one probably just one tree out front in a little island, tiny little circular island bed that's really just big enough for the root ball of the tree itself. But you'll find maybe a shade tree. Sometimes it's a maple. Rarely do I see um, oak trees, but they could be there. Or maybe it's a crepe myrtle, some kind of some kind of interesting uh, ornamental tree, maybe even a dogwood or redbud. But usually there's just one or two trees dotted, maybe on the front side, maybe on the back side. And then, of course, that simple row of shrubs right up front at the door. That's kind of barren. That's kind of sad, in my opinion. Kind of sad. So if you're looking to maybe make your exterior of your new home just as unique as you're working to make the interior then hopefully today you will find some of these points and tips to be quite helpful. And it's more than just the look, of course, when you're working with the landscape. The look, the aesthetics of the scape are highly important, but we also need to do a little investigative work as far as the soil goes and maybe where sun and shade are in your landscape If you're in a new home, uh, at least up here in the Piedmont, I noticed that moving into a neighborhood that's been developed, that the grading companies have just cleared away any old trees that may have been there, and they flatten things, and they mix the soil over. And they bring in soil to level things and make the, uh, the building area flat as possible. And so some of these things are a struggle too because, of course, the soil that's being brought in may be different than what was there. It may be subsoil and not true soil. So we'll talk about soil quite a bit. And of course, because they've had to clear the entire neighborhood to build these lots and houses, uh, there, there may not be a whole lot of woods or natural forest or large trees. So, of course, there may be a lot of sun around most sides of the house. 
So we want to be looking for things like that too. So I hope that today we can give you some ideas to stimulate you to get going and and get growing in your new house. If you have just walked into a new home, I congratulate you. Congratulations on a new place. But let's get that landscape in shape. Don't you agree? So before we get into today's topic of new house, new landscape, I do want to remind you that I, so far since the year started, have been posting uh, videos about gardening and what I'm doing in my landscape and how you can do it on uh, YouTube. Just search for New Southern Garden and you will find the channel there. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel because that way you will get the notification when a new video does come on. I usually have been scheduling the posts uh, for videos on Saturdays. Uh, to kind of go along when this show is released here on the podcast. But also, uh, I'm doing some of the YouTube shorts, which are just less than 60 seconds or so videos of some quick, maybe goofy stuff even, uh, but some good tips in a short, quick span. So those shorts are going to be helpful, I think, for us to communicate certain ideas that don't really need a lot of depth, if you know what I'm talking about. So check out YouTube.com uh, and just search for New Southern Garden. Subscribe there and watch all the stuff, the crazy things that I'm doing in my landscape and maybe even at the nursery. So new house, new landscape is our topic today. And if you find yourself in this situation, well, I hope you grab a pad, a notepad and a pencil or a pen and maybe make some notes because the first step when you walk into your new landscape at your new house is really to just observe and assess. Assess your new landscape. Look around at things, see what's there, see what's not there. Um, And then we will get into uh, talking about what you might envision in your landscape in the next point. But when you're looking around your new landscape, one thing to check out first is the topography. Now, the topography is basically the lay of the land, if you will. If you are growing here in the Piedmont or uh, maybe further up in the Blue Ridge <laughs> and the, um, uh, the mountains, and the beautiful thing about being near the Appalachian Mountains is we have slopes, all right? It's a beautiful thing, but of course, every beautiful thing also has maybe a uh, dark underside because dealing with slopes can be difficult too. So if your new home is built in an area that they've had to do a bit of grading because of a slope, then you will probably have areas around the house that are quite level or flat, even though there's no such thing as true flat or level. It's very hard to achieve that, at least. uh, You will probably have certain areas that are gently sloped or maybe very steeply sloped. Now, these areas, the flat areas versus the sloped areas, give you an opportunity uh, for different kinds of plants, perhaps, and in different situations that you can create in your landscape. So be sure to check out the slope. And along with slope comes maybe water. How does water move around your landscape? Uh, It's a wonderful thing to grab a raincoat and an umbrella during a rainstorm. This goes for anybody, even if you've been in your landscape for 20 or 30 years. Uh, When it's raining, get your raincoat out, get your rain boots, grab an umbrella and maybe your phone, and walk around your landscape. And during the torrential rains that we can have here in uh, the southeast, particularly here in northeast Georgia, uh, it's a good opportunity to record where water is maybe running, Maybe where soil is eroding. 
because of that water running off. And then, of course, that helps you to document areas where you may need to do something to make sure your soils don't erode away, uh, causing those deep ruts and rills. And, of course, uh, look at it as an opportunity to maybe do new things in the landscape. In areas where water is running, there's two options. You either fight it and try to divert it, or you just embrace it with maybe something like a dry riverbed where water can run through that area and you can landscape around the dry riverbed uh, and, of course, have a beautiful landscape feature there with the different colors and textures of stone in a dry riverbed. So be sure to be on the lookout for how, how water moves in your landscape. Another thing to think about, of course, is the soil. What kind of soil are in different areas around your landscape? I will tell you this about the new homes. Uh, the way they're building them, of course, is to flatten the lot and, of course, bring in soil that is good for building a house on. Now, remember that soil good for garden building is not necessarily the same for good house building because, of course, a house needs a sure and steady and hard compacted foundation so that things don't shift and move over time. However, plants, roots love to grow in soils that is loose and friable, not compacted and full of organic matter. So the kind of soils you may see around the immediate areas of your house particularly where you'll be planting shrubs and borders and whatnot, you'll probably find that that soil may be compacted. It may just be subsoil. Uh, if you're here in the Piedmont and you're used to our Georgia red clay, you'll probably find that there's a bunch of it right there around uh, the immediate areas around your home. Now, these soils you may want to consider improving, and we'll talk about that a little later, but of course, uh, adding organic matter to certain areas where compacted clay is, lifting the soil up and turning it over, uh, trying to fluff it up from that, uh, break up some of that compaction of the grading equipment. These are some things you want to consider. So again, go around the landscape looking at different places. Look on the slopes and see what the soil is like. Look on the flat areas. Look around the patio. Uh, look at the edge of the property because you may be wanting to plant certain plants on the edge, maybe for screening and privacy, and you may want to examine what the soil is like there. Maybe examine the soil near the road or if there is a sidewalk around those areas because you may later on want to install some beds and borders along those areas. So get a good idea for what types of soil and what things look like underneath the ground all around the landscape. Make some good notes. Uh, we do have to take a quick break, but when we get back from this break, I am going to give you three soil tests that you can take to sort of get an idea of how healthy they are, how well water moves through them, and of course, what they're made up of. Heavy clay, sand, silt. When we get back from this break, more on examining your new soil at your new house. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at newsoutherngarden.com. 
where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone, so get social with the new Southern Garden family and let's grow well. So gang, today on New Southern Garden, we are talking about a new house, a new landscape. Maybe this new year you find yourself living in a new home and you love it, but you don't really like the landscape because, of course, that is not something that the building company, the construction crews, really put a lot of time into. I don't know if you've noticed that. I have. Now, maybe your company was quite different and you have this beautiful, gorgeous garden oasis as soon as you moved in. But if that's not the case, then today we are talking about simple steps you can take and sort of the process you can can use to make a wonderful new landscape, the landscape of your dreams uh, this year, or at least starting this year. I remember I was consulting with a, a lady years ago who told me, I went out to her house because she wanted me to look at her landscape. It was a brand new house. She told me, she said, I worked my entire life I worked and worked and worked so that when I retired, I would be able to have the house of my dreams. And the house got built and it was beautiful, but it didn't look right. I knew something wasn't right. Something was missing. And it hit her. There were no plants. And she was exactly right because plants help us to create a sense of place. As a matter of fact, think of your house like Disney World. (laughs) Not that you would have roller coasters and uh five and a half foot tall mice running around but think of your think of disney world without plants it would be a completely different place it would be hard and rigid the the uh the hard lines of the buildings and the other things they have there that would all look weird without the softness and the textures and colors that plants can provide so of course if you find yourself with an empty landscape and your house just doesn't look like you thought it would at least from the outside looking in then maybe these steps today to building a new landscape in your new house will help you before the break we were talking about examining and assessing your soil because the first step is to assess your landscape as much as possible assess the topography do you have slopes do you have flat land and then of course when you're looking around be sure to look at the soil. So when you're going around your landscape, checking the soil in different potential planting areas, maybe along the property line where you need screens or maybe right outside the house, right up front, right around back, around the patio, maybe near the sidewalk or the road, the street plantings you plan to do, check the soil. And there's three simple tests that you can do. The first one, of course, is to collect a soil sample, uh, which is made from about 10 samples in a given area, Uh, dig about four inches deep, take off any turf grass or mulch that may be there, and mix that into a plastic container like a bucket, and take one cup of it to your county extension office. Now, of course, this office, uh, your county extension office, is overseen by the University of Georgia here in our state, and in other states, it's usually by your land-grant college or university, Uh, but they will take your one cup of soil, and they will test it up at their soil testing labs, and they will give, give you a report on what the soil pH is. That report will 
will tell you what kind of phosphorus and potassium and some other nutrients are there. And then, of course, it gives you recommendations. It gives you recommendations for what so, uh, what nutrition or what kind of maybe lime. If you need lime, they'll tell you how much you need in order to, to plant the things that you plan to grow. And that will give you a lot of information about your soil. But then there are some other characteristics of soil that you need to know that that soil test won't give you. And you can do these at home. First of all, you do want to know how well your soil percolates in given areas. Now, percolation is essential because percolation is the process of water leaching down into the soil. So think of it like a coffee pot percolator. Water comes in on top of the coffee and percolates down to make that wonderful morning or afternoon or evening drink that we all love so much. But of course, there's no caffeine included in this test because the idea is just to see how long it takes for water to leach and percolate through the profile of your planting soil. So all you do in a given area is dig a hole that's about 8 or 10 inches deep, fill it with water, and let it drain. And then as soon as it's drained, fill it once again with water and set a timer. Notice what time it is when you fill this up because you are going to time how long it takes that soil to drain out of that hole uh, for the second time. And if you notice that when you're timing uh, your, your water percolation, if you're timing it and you notice that it takes longer than 24 hours to drain, then you know that you are working with a soil that drains poorly. It's a poor draining soil. It may not be waterlogged, uh, but I have some areas around my landscape which take maybe three days to drain. That is essentially a bog. Anytime that an area holds on to water for longer than 24 hours, we need to know that because, of course, extra water, when we find extra water in the soil, those areas are not going to be ideal for perhaps planting many of the garden plants that we want to have. So knowing how well or how poorly your soil drains will help you to determine uh, what kinds of plants you can plant in that space. And then the last test you can take, which is not necessarily critical, uh, but I, I do like to know this little bit of information, is a soil texture test. Now, a soil texture is basically how much clay, how much silt, or how much sand is in your uh, soil. Now, this is important because, of course, the more clay you have, that probably is an indicator that you'll need plants that can handle a little extra wet feet. And of course, if you're planting up here uh, in the Piedmont, then and you have this Georgia red clay, then you will find that most of your clay, your soils are probably clayey. But around my landscape, I have some areas of of soil that that has a substantial amount of sand, and so those areas are prime real estate as far as. Uh, soil that drains well. So what you can do is take a cup of soil from this potential planting space, put it into a glass jar like a mason jar. It's good to have a jar with a lid because you're going to put that cup or cup and a half of soil in the jar, fill it with water, not quite to the top, uh, but leave a little headroom because after you've put the water in, you screw the cap on tight and then shake. Shake that water and soil into this slurry. And then allow that to set still on a countertop or table for 
maybe half a day, maybe an entire day. Come back to it, and you'll notice that the soil has settled to the bottom, and the water is on top. But if you look at the soil on the bottom, you'll notice that there's distinct layers. And the band of soils that are down at the bottom are going to be Uh, or the layers of soil at the bottom of this jar are going to be the sand. And then as you work your way up, you'll have a layer of maybe silt. And then on the top, you'll have your finer particles, the finer textured particles of soil, which are clay. So once you look at that, you can sort of get a test for do I have 50% sand and silt and 50% clay? Or do I have 75% clay with 25% silt or sand? And that is going to be another visual way to actually find out what kind of soils you have in a certain area. So examine your soils, do a soil test at your county agent's office, do a percolation test to see how well or how poor your soil drains after a rain. And then, of course, you can do the soil texture test just for a little more information to see exactly how much sand, silt, and clay you may be working with. Now, other than soil and the the way the land lays as far as topography goes, you do want to consider the sunlight that you get in a space. So determine, the very first step is to, to determine where the sun comes up in your landscape and where the sun goes down. Now, of course, Uh, at least in this part of the world, the sun comes up on the eastern side of any house or anywhere you're standing, and the sun will set on the western side of your house. Now, this is important to know because the northern side and the eastern side of your house are going to get the morning sun with afternoon shade, and they're going to be the cooler parts of the day. But then the eastern, uh, sorry, the western and southern sides of your house, well, they are going to get the brutal, intense afternoon sun. And you've got to know where those areas are because when you start bringing in plants and working with plants, you'll need to put those heat, drought-tolerant, harsh sun-loving plants on the western and southern sides, and then maybe the cooler, shadier plants on the northern and eastern side. Well, gang, more tips on assessing your new landscape when we get back from this break. Hang on tight. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. So gang, I can already tell that today's program is going to be a two-parter. When I was making notes out for today's show, I thought, you know, I don't think I'm going to be able to get all this in in one day. So we probably will have a part two of today's program, which is New House, New Landscape, a beginner's guide to starting a landscape, essentially, is what it will be. Because this very first step in looking at a new landscape, or actually these things work if you're moving into a new house and you want to make it your own. Or if you've been living in a house for 20 or 30 years, haven't done much since you moved in, but you want a new space, well, be sure to use these uh, tips and steps to doing so, making a brand new 
uh, awesome landscape of your dreams, which falls right in line with our goal for 2024 of uh, writing down our dreams, making them manageable, prioritizing them. Uh, When it comes to this new landscape, the first step is to assess the landscape, see what is going on. We've talked about checking out the soil, checking out topography, observing in a rainstorm with an umbrella and your camera, maybe some rain boots, on what, where water moves. Where does water flow? Oh boy, I tell you what, uh, we've been in our house for, this will be the fourth year, going on the fourth year this summer, and I'm still figuring out, I'm still finding that when we get certain amounts of rain, some of my beds are washing out. I should have really taken my own uh, advice here before I started planting and putting beds in. But even if you have beds that are washing out, you can always recoup them, just observing, checking out what's going on with water. So before the break, we were talking about determining how much sun, uh, getting your sun exposures in certain areas. You have to know, as a gardener, as just somebody who's working in the landscape, loving uh, plants, you really need to know where the sun comes up and where the sun sets. Because of course, the sun always comes up in the east and sets in the west. Unless things change, that's the way it's been, I understand. So with that in mind, you you wanna see uh, what side of your house, what sides of your house faces these cardinal directions, north, south, east, and west. The north and the eastern side are gonna get morning sun and afternoon shade. More specifically, you'll find that the northern side of your house always has a certain amount of shade depending on the size of your house because the house itself is always blocking a certain area right at the base of the house uh, with shade. It's blocking it from the sun. But then, of course, we have the southern and the western sides of the house which get the afternoon sun, the hot sun. Probably the southwest is going to be one of the most brutal conditions you'll have. And this is going to be critical because you'll need to determine how many hours of sun each one of these potential planting zones receives so that you can make wise decisions when planting plants in those areas. So let's go ahead and tell you uh, that if you have a site, an area that only gets four hours of sun or less, then that would be an area we would consider a shady site. That is shade, four hours of sun or less. If you get maybe five, four to five, maybe five to five and a half hours, you could call that semi-shade, semi-sun, part sun, part shade, we usually say. And then, of course, if you have an area that gets six to eight hours or more of sun a day, then that would be full sun. But remember, you can have areas on the eastern side of the house, which gets morning sun, those areas that get six to eight hours could be considered full sun, but that would be a much cooler sun. So you might be able to stretch your plant palette in those areas just a bit because it's cooler, but there's still enough time with direct sun uh, for certain plants to grow. But then, of course, if you get 10 hours of sun in a site in the afternoon, maybe on the south or or western side of your landscape, you probably don't want to worry about any shade-loving plants there. That is going to be hot, intense, and brutal. So knowing how many hours of sun you get in these planting or potential planting zones will really help you determine what plants are going to do well or do poorly in those sites. Now, when it comes to sun, we need to consider June 20th. The summer solstice. We need to think about the middle of summer because 
plants uh, don't necessarily need or care so much about the sun over winter. Like going out into your landscape this time of year and saying this site gets six hours of sun really doesn't matter so much because first of all, a lot of plants that drop their leaves, well, all the plants that drop their leaves don't really use sun over the winter time. And then the evergreen plants are not actively growing uh, over winter, so they may have leaves and some sun is beneficial. So keep in mind that you want to know the number of hours you get in a site during the growing season, which of course could be any time from spring through summer, maybe maybe early part of fall. But you do want to determine the hours of sun you get during that growing season. So you may not be able to do that right now, but you surely will. And I do. I have found an app on my phone uh, that you could probably find too. I think it costs a little bit of money, a few dollars, but it's called the Sun Seeker app. And this has been helpful. This is not a commercial. This is just a helpful tool that I use uh, because Sun Seeker probably doesn't even know I exist uh, or this show exists. But anyhow, it is an application that you can uh, open up and then... You hit this, this button called 3D View, and as you lift it up into the sky, you see these distinct lines on the screen, and the lines move with you. It moves in real time, and these lines are the position of the sun at certain times of the day throughout the year. So there's a line for how the sun moves today, uh, present day, and then there's a line for the sun, how it moves when we turn into spring in March, and there's a line for the sun when we're in June. June, on June 20th, and there's a line for the position of the sun, I believe in September, later on in the year as we go into fall. So you can use that app today to get an idea of where the sun is, and then of course along these lines it even shows you the time of the day, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, and you can count the number of hours that that site gets as far as the movement of the sun goes. So be sure to assess your sun conditions or shade conditions when you're looking at your new landscape. And then lastly, there are some questions you want to ask you or ask yourself as you're walking around your landscape looking at all these other factors. And that is, what is already existing in the landscape? What plants are already existing? Do you like the plants that are existing in the landscape? Um, and maybe do a little research on the existing plants and see if they're in a wise place. I have found that um, not every builder is a landscaper. Not every builder is a gardener. Uh, what I see when I go to new homes and consult with people is that some of the plants the builder has put in are probably just some of the cheapest plants that were available at the plant nursery when they needed it. And it checks off their code, right? It gets them one step closer to a certificate of occupancy so that they can sell it to you and you can move in. So be sure to look up some of the plants you have on your, uh, rather around your house. Uh, for instance, here's a case. I have seen tea olive, which is a beautiful evergreen plant that's highly fragrant in the fall time and, and throughout winter, has these little tiny blooms that aren't big, aren't showy, but boy, do they pack a punch with fragrance. And they do make a wonderful screen, a wonderful hedge, because they get 10 to 20 foot tall and wide. However, I have seen plants like tea olive planted under bay windows or the front window of the house. Now, that is not a wise choice, not because of the location it's planted in, but because it's going to be too big to grow in front of a window. 
Most of the time, windows are not much taller than three foot tall. That would be probably standard or so. But then you have lower windows and higher windows, depending on the house. And you would probably want shrubs that get no taller than five feet, probably three or four. So tea olive is a wonderful plant, but planted in front of windows It's not a good choice, not a wise decision. So think about the features that are in the landscape. Are there patios already? Are there decks already? Uh, And see if there are certain features or plants that you need to move or you don't like and you want to get rid of. Now, some features like bird baths, which I doubt you'll find at a new house unless you brought it, can be moved into other areas. But then some things like decks and patios and arbors, of course, they aren't as easily to be moved. So you have to make that decision if you can work with it once we get to our design phase. So again, the first step to landscaping your new house is to assess the site in more ways than one. I spend a lot of time on this uh, because it's quite critical. But after you've done all of your assessments, we do want to determine your goals and dreams. Now, this is not necessarily the design phase. This is just the phase of you saying to yourself, what is it that I have? What is it that I don't have? What is it that I want? What are some of the plants I want? So here's some things you may want to uh, write down as you're thinking about what things you want in your landscape. First of all, you want to say to yourself, what features do I need? What features do I want in my landscape? Remember, your space, you're creating a place within your space that should be a representative of you and your lifestyle and the things you do outside, the things you want to see when you pull up to your house after a long day at work and you're tired and that landscape just gives you all the joy and beauty that you've lost for the past eight hours because you were pushing papers or whatever. (laughs) So think about the kind of maybe hardscapes you want. Now, hardscapes are anything really that aren't plants. So things like decks and patios and rock pathways and arbors and trellises, um, walls, if you need a wall, whether it's made of lumber or whether it's a wall made out of stone or brick, these are the things that you are going to maybe want to consider first because they are things that generally aren't easily moved. Plants can be moved and plants are easier to install than some of these big construction projects. So think about the kinds of hardscapes you need and then think about the areas around your landscape. I want you to think garden rooms. Just like when you walk into a house, you have maybe a foyer or entryway or maybe you walk into a living room, maybe you walk into a dining area And then you transition into a kitchen area, and then you have your hallways and your bathrooms and your bedrooms, maybe an entertainment area or something. You know, within the house, we have distinct garden rooms. And I'm sorry, we have distinct rooms. But in the garden, we should also have distinct rooms. We should have these garden rooms that tell us. Um, Of course, we'll be using plants to guide our eye and separate areas. But of course, you want to maybe have a recreation area. Do you have a pool? Do you want a pool? Do you need a a lawn for the kids or grandkids to throw the ball around on or ride bicycles somewhere? Um, Maybe you need an area where you can uh, throw horseshoes. I don't know. Those used to be popular. I don't see them much anymore. But think of your recreation areas. Think of your entertaining areas. Maybe you need a space outside where you plan to have a grill and you're going to have a table with a 
patio for dining. Uh, or perhaps you would have a fire pit. Now, that's a good, very popular place now. Fire pits are good for entertaining. They're fun to sit around. And, of course, plants can, can surround that area, make it a little more intimate and private. Or maybe you want a place where you can have a swing. Uh, you know, at our place, we have a recreation area for the kids. Uh, maybe you, though, would not have a swing for kids, but maybe you'd have a swing to read a book on. And you want it secluded, a bit more private. So think about the garden rooms that you want to build, the things you plan to do in your landscape. A garden room in itself may be a vegetable garden, a raised bed garden. These are things that you may want to consider as well. And of course, within the hardscapes, uh, arbors, pergolas, trellises, these are all things that help you to define a space or maybe think of arbors and trellises and pergolas they could be used like doorways inside of a house, transitioning you from one area of the landscape into another garden room. Well, we are coming up on another break. This always happens when I get on a roll. But when we come back from the break, we'll con keep considering what are your goals and dreams and maybe talk more about specific plants and types of plants that you want to add into your garden, your new garden. Hang on tight. We'll be right back. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. <laughs> at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together. So gang, today we're talking about a new house, a new landscape. This is a beginner's guide to really making the landscape of your dreams. Uh, I've spent a lot of time today talking about assessing your landscape, whether this is a new house or an old house, new house to you. Maybe you've lived in it 30 years and you just want to redo some things. I still think that we need to start by assessing what we have, what kind of sun conditions, what kind of soil conditions. Of course, you want to consider what kinds of plants you have, et cetera, et cetera. And once you've done all of the assessing, then you can get into what's what are your goals and dreams? You could actually do this step first. <laughs> that part doesn't matter. But I think that being able to know what our landscape is like first is helpful because that will at least stimulate you to start thinking about some of the things you may want to do and could do with the landscape uh, as it exists. So we were talking about what features do you want for your landscape. We want to think about garden rooms, creating distinctive areas for recreation, entertaining, maybe growing productive gardens like vegetable gardens. Then of course you may consider an area as a pollinator garden, a wild garden, something like that. Uh, the hardscaping needs to be considered. Are there things you want? Do you want pathways? A pathway can be as simple as 
um, a line of turf with planting on either side of it. A pathway could be constructed out of timber, uh, like a, a deck pathway, or a pathway could be something as intensive as, say, rock and stone pathways. Those are quite popular as well. Um, so with that in mind, think creating garden rooms and what kind of rooms you may need. And then, of course, think about those areas and the hardscapes like pergolas and arbors that you may want. But also in your goals and dreams are the, is the fun part. The fun part, I think, of course, are the plants. What specific plants or at least what kind of plants do you need in order to achieve a certain function? And here's an example. Say you are in a new house and uh, your landscape kind of blends right into your neighbor's landscape. Your property line touches and there's nothing separating you from seeing each other and what you're doing in your backyards because it's just turf grass from one lot to another. That seems pretty monotonous and boring to me. So maybe you want some privacy from those pesky neighbors. As a matter of fact, I just talked to a guy this week who came to the nursery. Of course, you can find me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, uh, throughout the week. But this guy came in and said, I got a real strange neighbor. She didn't always be strange, but she even has her office set right on the front of her house so she can see everything that's going on in the neighborhood. Of course, that doesn't sound like a happy, jolly Mr. Rogers neighborhood to me, so he was hoping to put in some plants that would create a screen so that neighbor can't necessarily see everything that he's doing all the time. So when, if you determine, I need a hedge or I need a screen, I need some privacy, then start thinking about some of the plants that you could use. Maybe go to the plant nursery and see what options are available in your area for screening or hedging. Uh, maybe do some research online. Just remember that you can find almost every plant you could imagine online in a little um, uh, description maybe with some pictures, but trying to find that plant locally may be harder. So I do like to start with my local plant nursery because those folks know what's available and, and what grows well in your area. And then maybe you look around your landscape and you say, wow, this is a hot box. This is a sun box. I have no shade. Perhaps you want to start considering some trees uh, that could give you some kind of shade. Ornamental trees like dogwoods and redbuds and crepe myrtles will provide light shade. They don't have huge canopies on their trees, but then things like maples and oaks and sycamores, these are trees that are going to get tall and get big and broad, and they will provide you with that kind of woodland shade that you'd always maybe hope for. Then, of course, you may need certain plants that are evergreen. Uh, you may need gardenias and hollies and camellias and the like, and you may want to have some of those up front in the, in the front border of the house, or maybe you need some evergreen plants to uh, divide certain areas in the backyard, back garden. So with that in mind, you may want to do some research on the types of plants, the size that they get, because again, my example about using a builders, using a tea olive right up front in the front of the house underneath a bay window is a poor decision because in order for that uh, tea olive to stay below the window, it will require a bunch, a ton of maintenance and shearing and trimming. So use plants that fit the scale of the bed, of the planting bed. And then, of course, you may want to consider uh, pollinator plants or uh, perennial plants that are going to provide you with plenty of blooms. Of course, there are some deciduous shrubs, shrubs that drop their leaves that will be blooming like uh, hydrangeas and roses and things like that. And then, of course, you may want to consider, hey, 
I want to have some vegetables. I want to grow vegetables. So knowing that vegetables require six to eight hours of sun, you would want to think about putting your vegetable plants in the sunniest areas that you have, especially if you have a lot of shade around your landscape and uh, sun real estate is just not that, that grand. You want to dedicate the sunniest site for your productive gardens and your vegetable gardens. So when you're writing out or maybe you're even doing a little drawing here and there, um, you can take your plat. If you have a new house, you probably have your plat handy because you just signed your papers. Uh, you just went to the, the bank or wherever and got all that information. Um, if you have an older house, sometimes you may have it in a file that's somewhere in the garage or in the office. Uh, you can probably find plats on your local jurisdiction, maybe within your county. Print off that plat and just look at your landscape and where the house sits. Make notes on that plat where the sun rises and also where the sun sets. And then make notes where you have existing trees. Uh, make notes where you found poor draining soil. Just draw simple lines and simple notes. And that is really the first step to the next step, which of course is designing. And where are all your plants going to go? Where are all of these features and dreams that you have going to go? But I know we won't have time for step three today. That will be included in next week's show as we continue to talk about your new house and your new land a beginner's guide to landscaping. Um, when you have the plat, go ahead, make these notes, maybe even start that early phase of designing. Look, a design doesn't have to be on paper. Uh, for many folks, a visual is very helpful. You know, my mother used to always say that she's got to see it on paper. She's got to see it. She she couldn't always see things in her in her head so we draw things out and sketch things out and it would make better sense so starting with your plat starting with your landscape and a pencil because you're going to be as you're developing your dreams and goals you're going to be making revisions you're going to be changing your mind write down on the plat all of those assessments you made where things are slopey, where things are fairly flat or level, uh, what kinds of plants are already there, where the exposures are, where the sun comes up, where the sun sets, what kind of soil do you have? Do you have uh, rich loamy soil in this side of the house, but drawing on the other side of the house? Do you have waterlogged, heavy clay soils? These are just simple notes that are going to help remind you as we go forward in this process. Um, these are going to remind you what you have and also what you want. That's where we are in this design phase right now, is looking at reality, what we're dealing with, but then also looking at what is not reality yet, what you hope and dream to have. So if you go ahead this week and start assessing your landscape and determining what you want, your goals and dreams, the next week we'll talk about designing your landscape and, of course, installing the landscape. Well, gang, thanks for joining me today on New Southern Garden. I hope it's been helpful to you. For WRWH 93.9 FM, I am Nathan Wilson. I hope you stay well and grow well. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. 
Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's News Southern Garden Show.